to take this month and uh, share a new sermon series that I'm just going to simply call more, more, because I just believe that there's more. Oftentimes, we see the tip of the iceberg, but there's so much more underneath. This looks magnificent, but there's just so much more that we haven't ever even seen. And I believe there's so much more to God that he wants us to experience, so much more that he wants us to tap into, so much more that he wants us to receive from him. And that's where I just want to push you today. More than you could ever imagine. More than you could imagine. There's more than you could imagine. And what I want to share with you today is uh, simply, I believe there's a way for us to tap in to more. There's a, there's a tool, there's a method that God has given us to be able to tap in to more. Uh, Ephesians 3.20 says, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. Now this creates a little bit of a complexity here because uh, God is able to do immeasurably. You can't even measure the more than that, that he can do for us, but it's more than we've asked, more than we've imagined. So if we've never asked it and we've never imagined it, how do we know we're getting it when we get it? I believe there's a way. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna share that with you this morning. Uh, more than we ask or imagine. And I'm gonna be very, I'm gonna just tell you right now, right up front, I'm gonna be very scripture heavy this morning because this, and I share this thought, this truth in some way or another at least uh, on an annual basis, probably one of my favorite truths or teachings or messages that I ever share. But if our church can get this, if you can get this, I promise you will tap into the more that God has for you. Uh, Matthew chapter 11, verse number 12 says, from the days of John the Baptist, and these scriptures are on the Freedom Church app, sermon notes, it's all right there. You can uh, make your own notes and you can email it to yourself or follow along on the screen or in your Bibles or on your phone apps. Matthew eleven twelve. from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has been forcefully advancing and forceful men lay hold of it. The, from the days of John the Baptist until right now, the kingdom of heaven has been forcefully advancing and forceful men lay hold of it. The King James says, the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence and the violent take it by force. God's kingdom is advancing. God's kingdom is expanding. It's, it's enlarging. There's more and more and more for us to access in God's kingdom. That's why I want to go with this theme more because I believe there's more that God wants to do. I don't think any of us should ever get to a place in our life where we feel like we've arrived. I know all I need to know. I've experienced all I need to experience. I've been there. I've done that. No, no, there's so much more, so much more. And as the kingdom of heaven advances, forceful men lay hold of it. So how do we take hold of that which is advancing and that which is expanding? Well, we've got to learn to operate according to the kingdom way of operating. We are people who live in two systems. We live in two worlds. We're here in this uh, earthly system, but there's also a heavenly system. We are citizens here of earth, but we're also citizens in heaven. Things operate differently here on earth as they do in heaven. The problem with most of us is we try to access spiritual things with earthly measures, earthly means. You can't do that. You got to learn how to operate according to spiritual things, like the preacher and the bus driver that made it to heaven standing at the pearly gate, St. Peter. You know, this is a true story, right? Uh, St. Peter. 
comes to them and uh, asks the bus driver, hey, come on in. Let me show you to your mansion. The preacher was thinking, oh, this is great. Bus driver got that mansion? I can't imagine what I'm going to get. And then Peter comes back and takes the preacher and says, let me show you to your shack. He says, hold up, hold up, hold up. The bus driver gets the mansion? I get a shack? Well, how does that work? He says, well, it appears that while on earth, when he drove his bus, people prayed. When you preached, people slept. All right. Two ways of doing things. Let me, can I just ask you not to sleep on this morning because I would like a mansion when I get to heaven. So stay with me. Stay with me here. Uh, things operate differently here on earth as they do in heaven. Uh, Colossians chapter 1, verse 13 says, He's rescued us from the dominion of darkness, the kingdom of darkness, and he's brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves. So out of one kingdom into another kingdom. Verse 16, for by him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible, invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by him and for him. In other words, just because we can't see it doesn't mean it's not there. There are two systems, two worlds, two dominions, the visible, the invisible, the spiritual, the physical. Hebrews chapter 11 gives us a little more insight into this. Hebrews 11, verse number one and verse number three says, now faith is being sure of what we hope for, certain of what we do not see. Well, how can we, we be certain of what we can't see? Because there's a spiritual element of being able to see in the spirit the things that are of the spirit. Remember, two systems, two kingdoms, two dominions. Now, faith is being sure of what we hope for, certain of what we do not see. Verse 3, by faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command. Now, I'm going to come back to this command, the power of the word, God's command, so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible, meaning everything that we see came from the invisible. Everything that's visible has come from the invisible. Everything here in the natural came from the spiritual by God's command. He spoke it, it was. How many of you know you're made in the image of God? You're made in the image of God. God spoke it, it was. It came from the invisible into the visible. My father read this scripture to me when we were sitting on the Colorado River uh, in the bottom of the Grand Canyon. And he said, look around, boys. Look at all this. God spoke it into existence. It came from the invisible into the visible. It was almost too much to comprehend. But everything that we see in the natural, it has come from the invisible into the visible. Ephesians 1, verse number three, says, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us, who are here in the natural world, who has blessed us here in the natural world. He's blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. That's in the spiritual world. So we who are here in the natural world have been blessed with every spiritual blessing we need. The only problem is it's in the spiritual realm. So how do we get it from there to here. How do we get it from God's house to our house? I won't tell you that. See, everything that we need, this is probably a very simplistic and almost discourteous way of describing it, but the way I like to say is everything that you need is in a warehouse in heaven waiting for you to transfer it from God's house to your house. It's just waiting on transfer. It's waiting on your willingness and ability to transfer it. I saw someone one time and asked them why they seemed so discouraged. And they said, the problem is I'm in a hurry and God's not. I get that feeling sometimes. But the fact is, I believe that God's in a hurry and we're not. 
God wants us to get this truth because he's got your stuff stored up there in a warehouse. And like any parent, we would really like our kids to come get their stuff out of our garage. Huh? Huh? Wait, wait. No, none of my kids have their stuff in my garage. They've come and got it all. But God's waiting on his people. Hey, I got this stuff up here prepared for you. I designed it for you. I created it for you. Would you just come and get it? So how do we do that? Well, it's the same way like when missionaries come from America and go to another country, they have to learn how to operate according to that culture, right? There are certain things that you do and certain things you don't do according to the culture that you're in. In some places, it's disrespectful to look somebody in the eye or to look a woman in the eye. In some places, it's disrespectful to reach out and shake hands. You don't touch hands, you just bow or nod. In some places, it's disrespectful uh, to speak directly to somebody. Other places, you gotta speak through someone else. You've gotta learn the culture in order to operate effectively in that culture. The same way happens and the same thing goes for a spirit. Spiritually, there's a spiritual culture, there's a spiritual way of doing things, and we have to learn how to operate according to God's system if we want to be effective in his kingdom. 2 Corinthians 4, verse number 18 says, so we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Again, here's this spiritual realm saying that we can see it, by faith we see it, we're certain of it, so we fix our eyes on what is seen but what is uh, not what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. So how do we tap in to that spiritual realm, that unseen? Well, here's an example of in the natural. Walt Disney had an incredible imagination. And after he passed away at the dedication of one of the buildings that he had designed and dreamed, uh, Someone said to his wife, said, it's just a shame that Walt's not here to see this or that he never got to see it. And his wife corrected the guy real quick, said, oh, he saw it. He saw it. He saw it up here. That's, that's how you, you see things. If you've got a great imagination, you can see things in the natural. Spiritually, we have the ability to see things in the same way. We can see things spiritually, but you have to be able to tap into that. So how do we do that? Galatians chapter three, verse number six. says, consider Abraham. He believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. Understand then that those who believe are children of Abraham. So God spoke to Abraham to become the father of his nation, his uh, godly nation, his inheritance. And it was credited, he believed, he believed what God told him. I'm going to give you sons and daughters, as many as the stars in the sky. He believed it. It was credited to him as righteousness. Understand then that those who believe are children of Abraham. So those of us who believe, we're children of Abraham. And the scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, meaning that gospel was going to exceed the Jewish people and come right on out here to the Gentiles by faith and announce the gospel in advance to Abraham and all nations will be blessed through you so that those who have faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. Go to the next scripture. He redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, or Christ Jesus, so that by faith we might receive the promise of the Spirit. Okay, so how do we see into that spiritual realm? By faith. The same way we receive salvation. By faith. The same way salvation or righteousness came to Abraham, it comes to us as children of Abraham through faith. Faith, faith, everybody say faith. 
We, all, we receive God's life. We receive his spirit. We receive everything that he has for us by faith. The promises of God are received by faith. However, this presents a little dilemma because the will of God, the plan of God, the purpose of God is not automatic. Just because it's God's will doesn't mean it automatically gets done. Example, 2 Peter 3, 9 tells us that God's not willing it means it's not his will that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. So God's not willing, it's not his will that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. But let me ask you, if it's not God's will that any should perish, are there anybody, is there anybody perishing? Yes, not a trick question. There are people perishing. So God's will is not automatic. God's will is done or transferred by faith, meaning there is still an effort on our part to preach the gospel, send the missionaries, declare the word of God, call people to Christ. That's how his will is done. In fact, faith is much like reading a novel. You start reading the novel and all of a sudden you, you're tracking down one plot and you got a couple of characters that are introduced and then all of a sudden a subplot is introduced and you're thinking, where in the world is this going? And a few more characters are introduced and then another subplot, a sub subplot and you know, where is this going? You're tracking with two or three different storylines. They do it on television too. You got all these storylines bouncing from one to the next and then all of a sudden by the end it all comes together. That's the way faith is. You start following God and he says, go this way. And you start going all of a sudden, he says, take a right. Whoa, 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 but I thought I was going there. He says, just trust me, go this way. So faith, you just keep trusting. And then you keep, maybe hang a left, slow down, stop here, stay a while. And you're thinking, wait a second, God, I, I, we got things to do. We got mountains to conquer. But you keep following him by faith and pretty soon you end up right where you're supposed to. And you're, oh, that's what you were doing. Now I see, that's the way faith is. Faith operates like that. In fact, remember when, when Daniel was praying, the book of Daniel, uh, he prayed and it took 21 days for his prayer to be answered. But during that time, God told him, said, I heard you when you prayed on the very first time. Heard you the first time you prayed. So what was the problem? What was the holdup? The holdup was that there was a, a spiritual battle going on in the heavenlies. If you read the story, there were angelic forces against demonic forces that were contending for the answer to Daniel's prayer. Now, the Bible tells us that God will not withhold any good thing from those who walk uprightly, right? So if there is a holdup, if there is a delay on your prayer, then one of two things are going on. Either you need to change the way you're walking and start walking uprightly because God won't withhold any good thing from those who walk uprightly. You need to change the way you're walking or recognize you gotta contend spiritually for that need or whatever it is you're praying, that there's a spiritual battle going on. So either change the way you're walking or get ready to fight because there is a fight that's on. So when you start praying and God starts releasing answers, believe me, the devil's not giving up that easy. There will be a spiritual battle to stop what you're praying for. That's what happened with Daniel. So we either adjust the way we're walking, recognize we're in a battle, but any problem that we're facing, it's not because God's holding out on us. It's just because there's a battle. So here's the subplot, because that's how faith works. Trusting God, believing, no matter what. Then there's a subplot. The subplot is works. Faith without works 
is what? It's dead. I mean, I can have all the faith in the world, but if I'm not willing to put the work into action, then my faith is nullified. Now, the works don't get you there. It happens by faith, but you have to have the works to go along with faith. I see it oftentimes and have described it many times as two oars in a boat. If you just row with one oar, it's gonna send you around in circles. That could be faith. But if it just works and you just use the other oar, it's just gonna move you around in a circle. The other, You'll go nowhere. But you put faith and works together and it moves you forward. It advances you. Matthew 6, says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. When you learn to do things the kingdom way, which is faith and works, God will bring everything into your life that you need. That's the kingdom way of doing things. So what does that mean? Well, we fix our eyes on kingdom things, on the kingdom way of doing things rather than the earthly things. Romans 5, 8, those who live according to the sinful nature, well, their minds are set on what that nature desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. Get your mind on the spiritual things, on the spiritual kingdom, on the spiritual way of doing things, and you'll start having the things of the Spirit. Okay, now I'm going to take it, bring it down even a little more practical here. I'm going to give you four levels of faith. And what I want to show you, so don't miss this, because I'm going to tell you, this is, this is the most powerful truth for every believer to be able to access the things that God has prepared for you. If you'll just get this, it'll change the way you pray every day and it'll change the way you live every day. Four levels of faith and there are two elements in each of the four levels that are identical and that's the way we access the things that God has prepared for us. The first level of faith is what I would call salvation faith in Romans 10, eight and nine. It says, but what does it say? The word is near you, it's in your mouth, it's in your heart. The word of faith we are proclaiming Something is being spoken. That would be the works aspect, speaking it, proclaiming it, that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, then you will be saved. So you speak this word, but you have to believe it. So you can say the sinner's prayer all day long, but if you don't believe it, you're still not saved. You can believe it all day long, but not be willing to pray it or proclaim it and still not be saved. It takes both oars in this boat. Faith and the works aspect is proclaiming, confessing it with your mouth. Everybody following me? This is the first level of faith, two elements, faith and what we speak out by confessing the word of uh, faith that we are proclaiming. Second level of faith, what I call the God kind of faith, Mark 11, 22 and 23. Have faith in God, Jesus answered. I tell you the truth, if anyone says, here's that speaking part again, if anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will happen, it will be done for him. This produces the written promises of God. The first level of faith, salvation faith, produces salvation. Second level produces written promises of God. What do I mean? Well, again, the two aspects, speaking, believing. Don't doubt, but believe. What are we believing? The word of God. When you believe the word of God, when you stand on the word of God, you're able to produce the written promises of God into your life. The Isaiah 53, five, 
By his stripes, I'm healed. Well, those promises are there. How do I get those promises? I declare I'm healed in the name of Jesus. I speak it and I believe it. I command sickness to go. I command that mountain to get out of my life. I'm standing on the promises of God. I stand on Malachi 3.10 that if I bring the tithe into the storehouse, he's gonna uh, open up the windows of heaven and pour out blessing upon my life that I won't have room enough to receive it. I'm gonna stand on the word. I'm gonna confess it. I'm gonna believe it. I'm commanding doubt out of the way. I produce written promises of God in my life. You can do the same thing. Two elements in the first two levels of faith. Third level of faith is what I call the gift of faith. Now, this is just a little bit different, but still the same. There are nine different gifts of the Spirit that are listed here. I'm only going to read just a couple of them. But now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one, there is given through the Spirit the message of wisdom or the word of wisdom. To another, the message of knowledge or the word of knowledge by means of the same spirit, to another faith by means of the same spirit, to another gifts of healing. Those are just four of the nine gifts that are listed here in 1 Corinthians 12. But this word of knowledge, this message of knowledge, this is what I wanna talk about just for a minute because when the message of knowledge is given, that word of knowledge comes forth and it produces a rhema word or a now word. Let me explain. Many times, You could be in a service just like this, maybe even today, and something is said from the platform. It could be something that L.A. says in the middle of a worship song and just says something, and all of a sudden, that word speaks to your spirit, and it's like, ooh, that's what I needed. I needed that. Or maybe there's just a a, a little caveat in the message that's being preached. It's like, yes, that's what I needed. And something in your spirit leaps. It activates your faith to say, that's my word. Maybe you've watched television. Somebody's preaching. You're listening to a podcast. Or, uh, you know, it it could be a, a friend that says something. And it's like, yes, that's what happens. That word of knowledge, it produces the rhema word. It produces the faith in you that says, that's my word. And when you get it, it changes everything. It's like it, it, it lights you up. It sets you on fire. But it takes the speaking of the word and it takes the faith to receive the word. Again, the two elements. Everybody tracking with me? The two elements. Okay, now we get to the fourth level of faith. Jude 20. This is what I would call forceful faith or most holy faith. Jude 20. There's only one chapter, so it's not chapter one, two, or three, just Jude 20. But you, dear friends, build yourselves up in your most holy faith and pray in the Holy Spirit. Now listen, in all due respect, there are tons of great churches in Dallas. There are tons of great churches in Carrollton. There are tons of great churches right up and down Church Row, Hebron Parkway here. A lot of great ones. But I'm gonna say this that I'm sharing with you right now is probably the one thing that differentiates us from the others. You're not gonna hear this at any of the other churches up and down the street here. And that's not critical. I'm just saying we just understand things differently. So when people say, what's different between you and any of the other churches? You can say, this right here. Just go to this message right here. This is it, okay? I'm not afraid to pray in the Holy Spirit. It hasn't passed away. It's not over with. It's not dead. It's not done. It's alive and well. You, dear friends, you build yourselves up in your most holy faith and pray in the Holy Spirit. Again, there's prayer in the Spirit, the speaking part, and building up your faith, the faith aspect. The two elements, again, they're the same in each 
of the levels of faith. Build yourself up in your most holy faith. So what happens when we begin to pray in the spirit? And, and, and let, me, let me just speak something here real quick. I'm speaking primarily about your private prayer language and your private worship, which doesn't necessarily mean private when you, I'm talking about even our corporate worship, but when you're worshiping, praying in the spirit, singing in the spirit, whether it's here in a worship, there's another, the gift of tongues and gift of interpretation of tongues are in that 1 Corinthians passage as well. And that's when somebody gives a message that's a public message and somebody interprets that message. And the way we operate here at Freedom is I believe in that gift, but because of uh, the growth of the church and because of the size of the church and not knowing everybody in every service, I prefer that that gift be operated in smaller groups where everybody knows everybody, where you know who's speaking it. I don't want people coming in and hijacking a service when I don't know who they are, when I don't know where they're coming from, I don't know what their motive is. So if somebody's got a word of knowledge or a word of wisdom or even a message in tongues or interpretation, bring it to one of the pastors. We'll discern if it needs to be fit in the service. I'm just trying to protect the flock. Hope you get my spirit. Uh, but is it alive and well? Yeah, it's alive and well. But what I'm talking about here is your private prayer. When you're praying, you pray in the spirit, or when you're singing, you sing in the spirit. Uh, you build yourself up and you make transfer. What are we transferring? We're transferring everything that God has prepared for us in the heavenly realm, bringing it here into the spiritual realm. You say, well, how do we do that? Because when we pray in our English language, you only pray according to what you know. You only pray according to what you think is best. You only pray according to your design. And God always has a different design. And when you pray in the spirit, that's why the apostle Paul talks about praying in the spirit, praying in the understanding, singing in the spirit, singing the understanding. When you do this, you bypass praying what you think is best. Romans 8, 26, when we don't know how to pray ourselves, the Holy Spirit makes intercession for us. You're praying in the spirit. You start making transfer from God's house to your house. Why, where do you get this, Kendall? How, let me prove it to you, okay? Ephesians, I go back to Ephesians 3, 20, the first scripture we started with, and I'm almost done here. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. How do we tap into more than we've asked? How do we tap into more than we imagine? According to his power that's at work within us. What power is at work within us? The power of the Holy Spirit. That's the power that's at work inside of you. And when you allow that power to start working, it starts transferring things you haven't asked for, things you haven't even imagined yet, things you didn't even know existed. Where do you get that? Okay, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse number 9 through 14. Don't miss this. This is going to be the best, best scripture of the whole day. Right here. Don't miss it. Wake your neighbor up. Look at this. However, as it is written... No eye is seen, no ear is heard, no mind is conceived. Sounds like things we haven't asked or haven't imagined. No eye is seen, no ear is heard, no mind is conceived. What God has prepared. What God has prepared things for us? Where are the things he's prepared? Warehouse in heaven. He's prepared for those who love him. How many of you love him? Come on, how many of you love him? He's got things prepared for you. you say, I want my stuff. He wants you to come get it. But God has revealed it to us by his spirit. Okay, so he reveals the things that he's prepared for us by his spirit. 
The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God, the wonderful, deep, rich nuggets of his grace and mercy that he has prepared for you. It's the Spirit that searches those things out and finds them for you. It's like, it's like we don't know where to look for in this warehouse in heaven, but the Spirit does, so he searches them out for you. Next scripture. For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the man's spirit within him? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. So the Spirit of God is the one who knows the thoughts of God. Now look at this, verse 12. We have not received the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God. Why have we received the Spirit who is from God? That we may understand what God has freely given us. God put his spirit inside of you so you would have the ability to understand what he has freely given you, what he has prepared for you, what he has stored up for you, what he has blessed you with here in the heavenly realms. And he's saying, now I just want you to come and get it. So how do we do that? Well, Isaiah 45, three says, I'll give you treasures of darkness, riches stored in secret places so that you may know that I am the Lord, the God of Israel who summons you by name. There are things that God has blessed you with that has prepared for you that you don't even know that you need. So you have to use the power of the Holy Spirit to pray for those things. Otherwise, you start going carnal. We do it all the time. Think about this. When we start hearing scriptures like, God will give you the desires of your heart, you know what the first thing that every one of us usually go to, does the desires of our heart? Oh, yeah. Man, I'd love a new car. I'd love a new house. I'd love that lake house. I like that, you know, that, that job. I'd like that blessing. I'd like that promotion. I'd like to go on that vacation. We think of those things. How many of you know that none of those things are on the list when it comes down to the real desires of our heart? The real desire, let's back it up. The real desires of your heart? Well, number one, it's going to be salvation, right? That you're saved. What's the next greatest desire of your heart? Well, that my family is saved. What's the next greatest desire? That my closest friends are saved and that they're living free, that they've experienced the freedom that comes in Jesus. You start going down the list of real desires, things never make it on the list. Things defile the list. So how do we pray in the things that we really need in our life? You allow the Spirit to search out the deep things. And you pray according to the Spirit and allow the Spirit to go into these secret places and pull out all the things that God has for you. Because 1 Corinthians 14 says, when we speak in a tongue, we don't speak to men, but we speak to God. I'm not praying to you. I'm not talking to you. I'm praying to God. I'm uttering mysteries with the Spirit. Mysteries to me, but not to God. He knows exactly what I need, and he knows exactly when I need it. Now, I'm not saying don't pray your methodical list of prayer requests. Pray them. But once you finish praying for those things, put them aside and take time to pray in the Spirit. And as you start praying in the Spirit, you're going to start transferring. God will say, oh, oh, let me direct the Spirit prayer over here to the deep things, to the riches that I have stored up for you. Oh, yeah, you got a whole whole uh, wall full. You got shelves full of blessings and riches over here that I want to transfer to your house. And you know what those things are going to be? They're not going to be the things, the stuff. It's going to be freedom. It's going to be joy. 
It's going to be salvation. It's going to be deliverance. It's going to be restoration. It's going to be a healthy body, a healthy mind, a healthy child. It's going to be healing for the sick. It's going to be peace in your home and peace in your family. It's going to be the beautiful things that we really treasure and that we really desire most of all. So when you activate the power of the Holy Spirit, you give him the freedom to really bring in the things that you need the most. Because we waste so much time praying for the things that we think we need. Let the spirit go to the things that really matter the most. Marvin Jacobs was a California attorney. He thought that he had finally got his dream car when he bought this car they had dreamed of for years. It was, I don't know what model it was, but it was a Jaguar. And he got it and he thought, best day of my life. Until it wasn't. Until he found out that he had bought the worst lemon that uh, I think had ever been made. For the next three years, it was in the shop 26 times. Broke down on the Golden Gate Bridge, caused a five-mile backup. He hated the car. When he was interviewed later, he said, the best day of my life, I thought, was when I bought my car. But the real best day of my life was when I got rid of the car. That's the way we live our lives. We think we know what's best. We don't really know what's best. We think we do, but we don't but the Spirit of God does. And if we release the Spirit of God inside of us, He will start bringing the things into your life that He has prepared for you. Because some of, some of you, God has prepared for you to be the best salesman in your whole corporation. Some of you, He has prepared the ability for you to be able to build a business from scratch that will make millions of dollars. Some of you, He has prepared for you the ability to provide employment for dozens and hundreds of people. He's prepared you with the ability to be able to bring people to Christ. You have a spirit of evangelism all over you, an anointing to be able to share what Christ has done in you that draws people to Christ. He has prepared you the ability to mend broken hearts and bring people together. You just have a way of being able to allow people to see differences, but then not allow that to keep them separated. God has anointed you for something special. He's anointed you for something specific. But many times we pray the wrong prayers because we're praying according to what we think is best. I'm imploring you, get out of the way and start praying in the Spirit and let the Spirit of God who knows what's best start bringing what is best into your life. Come on, do me a favor. Stand to your feet all over this place. More. More. I want more. But I don't don't want more of what I think is best. I want more of what God says is best. I want more from the designer. I want more from the creator. I want more from him. There's some here today, man, you've bumped up against a wall. You're knocking your head against the wall. I don't know where to go. I don't know what to do. I don't know what step to take. You've come into this place today just beating your head against the wall. God wants to give you this truth to stop beating your head against the wall but start praying in the spirit to release what he knows is best for your life takes the pressure off of you there's some of you that are here today your life has felt empty you felt without purpose because you've tried your best to pursue a certain direction a certain goal 
and it just hasn't worked out, I'm telling you, when you start praying in the Spirit, resign yourself to pray in the Spirit, He's gonna start bringing everything in your life that you've been trying to chase down, and it just hasn't worked. There are others of you here today that you have achieved great status. You, you've achieved goals. You've accomplished everything you've set out to accomplish. But once you got to the mountaintop, you got to the, the gold medal platform, you said, it's not what I thought it was going to be. It doesn't really satisfy. Because that's not really what God had prepared for you. And if you'll resign yourself to praying in the spirit, I'm talking every day, praying in the spirit every day, he's going to start bringing the things into your life that matter the most. And then there are others here today. That I just need to be filled with the spirit so I can pray and activate this power. God wants to do that for you to do as, today as well. God knows exactly what you need. I prayed earlier that God would reveal to you exactly who he wants you to see, to show you exactly what he wants you to see, to be exactly who he needs to be in your life. Not what you want, but what he wants. Is that what you want? Is that what you desire? Come on, lift your hands up to him right now all over this place. All over this place. Lord, we lift our hands to you and surrender. We lift our hands to you in total and absolute complete surrender. We recognize that we have tried our best, but our best just hasn't been enough. We still long for more. We still want more. Or there's some that are here in this room and they're so hungry for more, so thirsty for more. Open the windows of heaven and begin to pour out, oh God. There's some that are so frustrated and so confused. Lord, give them the more that you have. There's some that have ended up on a dead-end road. God, give them direction today. There's some that have achieved all success but still are empty and unsatisfied. Lord, let them know that you and you alone know exactly what they need. Come on, so as we surrender ourselves to him, won't you begin to cry out to him. Begin to cry out to him. Begin to pray to him and, and pray in the spirit. Release the spirit of God. Release the spirit inside of you to search out the deep things of God, the riches of heaven, the blessings that he has prepared for you. God, pour it out on your people today. Pour it out on each and every one. In the name of Jesus, we pour out ourselves today, oh God. Pour out your spirit on your people. Pour out your spirit in this place on every person, even those watching online right now. Lord, you know who needs you. You know who's hungry. You know who's thirsty. God, pour it out right now. We need you, Lord. We need you, Lord. We need you, Lord. Oh, God. There's so many things we're facing today when we don't know what's best, but the Spirit of God does, so we release the power of the Spirit to pray through us. Come on, lift up your voice, and let's sing it out to Him. Let's pray. Let's pray.